and welcome back to Fringes of the Faith podcast, where we talk about the strange and unusual. I'm Pastor Paul Henderson, Administrative Pastor at Capstone Church and host of this podcast. And sitting next to me is a returning guest, aviation enthusiast and jet pilot, Stefano Lebrelon. Hello. Welcome back, Stefano. I'm back. Thank you, How Pastor. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank good. you for the opportunity good, again. Good, good, Well, you know, Stefano, we had you on the program before, and we were talking about UFOs or UAPs, as they're now called, the the uh, that they were in the Bible. Yeah, there were some descriptions in the Bible that we would call today UFOs if we didn't recognize them. We talked about how, you know, in the Bible, every single one of them that are listed were actually identified. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's witnesses. There's yeah. witnesses. Uh, they you know they described the best they could what they saw, um, and you know we talked about what they really are according to Scripture and and what we can expect in the probably the near future yeah. uh, from these alien entities. What's we their also, intention, right? Yeah, what's their intention? Yeah. We also touched briefly on this phenomenon called alien abduction mm -hmm. and how these experiences uh, can be very real to those who claim to have, to have them. And so today at the Table of Fringe, I'd like to discuss a few encounters in the Bible that led to what we would call close encounters of the fourth kind. Wow. Or alien abductions. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. <laughs> and you know, so this topic is probably going to seem a little bit out there for some. Uh, to those that are listening that are like staunch, you know, believers that there are no UFOs, none of that stuff exists. Um, but you know what? We have written accounts of these types of experiences from some pretty reliable sources and actually from some eyewitnesses as well. Exactly. Pastor. In the Bible. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. So why don't we start where it all begins with the very first close encounter of the fourth kind in Genesis. What do you say? The very first one was... I guess. Let me ask you something, though. Yeah. Last time we, were, we, were, we talked, you had talked about, you know, you had seen some things in the sky that you didn't really recognize. As, yeah. Yeah. Well, I had two experiences back uh, in Brazil. Um, one, uh, my sister was with me, and... We were kind of close to downtown where, where I live, and we saw these two uh, lights, two lights just like soaring over mm -hmm. over the city. Mm -hmm. And the way they moved, the way they, they behaved was very weird because uh, in a fraction of a second, they would move from one side of town to the other side of town. And I like my aunt said it was a helicopter. It, it, it couldn't be, you mm -hmm. know. The very next day, it was on the news that, people from my town had seen, you know, uh -huh. aliens. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. very intriguing. Were you abducted? No, oh, okay. <laughs> not that time. Yeah. Not that time. <laughs> Which time were you abducted? Well, I hope Jesus one day abducts <laughs> me to heaven. <laughs> um, have you seen any since? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the second time I was flying, it was, a, so it was a night flight, and we were just about to land, uh, and I saw a ball of fire, you know, flying like parallel to the plane and all of a sudden sped up in a very random way. Mm -hmm. And the other pilots saw that as well. We have no explanation for what that could be. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's very intriguing, Pastor. Yeah, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. So let's get back to where this all began in the Bible as far as 
and an encounter that led to an abduction. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 18, we're, we are introduced to an early pre-Diluvian character named Enoch. Now, you remember Enoch. Yes. We've talked about Enoch. We did a podcast on Enoch. But back in Enoch's time, people lived to be very old, like extremely old. As a matter of fact, Enoch's father, Jared, lived to be 962 Whoa. years. Wow. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine. That. I can't imagine 96 years, much would, much less 962 years. <laughs> Do you think he would survive living in this era? No. No. A thousand years. But can you just imagine all the stories in his older age that he would just repeat over and over again after 962 wow. years? Wow. To his grand, 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 grandson. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. To his grandson times infinity. But this becomes important. It's an important detail as far as how old people would live to be because the Bible describes Enoch's life on earth only to be 365 years. Mm-hmm. So roughly midway through Enoch's uh, life expectation, suddenly he was not on earth anymore. Wow. So he lived 365 years, then he wasn't there anymore. And the Bible says that. It says so, uh, in chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says this, so Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was not there because God took him. Took him. Wow, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Imagine, Pastor, having such a relationship with God that is so intimate that God just decides to take you home. Yeah. It's like, I, I like you. I you like know, you, Enoch. Come on, come hang on up with here. me. <laughs> come up here. Let's hang out. Did you know the New Testament confirms this account in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5? It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away. And so he did not experience death. Now, this is what the Bible says yeah. in Hebrews. He did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. Uh, the New King James Version, uh, the translation, uses the word translated instead of taken. So it says God translated him. Um, the Greek word used uh, in Hebrews is metathemi, mm-hmm. metathemi, and metathemi describes the action of being removed. Wow. In today's language, we could say that Enoch was abducted. Abducted, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could. But by what exactly? What was he abducted by? Well, there's many theories, right? Mm-hmm. So Genesis 5 24 says, by God, right? It says, by God. But the word used here for God is Elohim. Elohim. Now, anytime in the Hebrew language that you have the, that it ends with im, I am, it's plural. It's, oh. Yeah, which means gods in the plural, in the plural sense, in the ordinary sense. However, used here specifically, what it means is the supreme God as a descriptor, as a descriptor of the hierarchy of spiritual entities. Wow, that's so. Here, it, essentially, what it's saying when you get it to when you get it down to the actual language used, it, it means that he was taken, he was translated, he was abducted by the gods, plural, but more than that, by the supreme god in the hierarchy of spiritual entities. Yeah, maybe uh, when it mentions that it was like a plural god, mm-hmm. he's referring to the to the Trinity that we know it's only one God revealed in three persons. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what most scholars say. Yeah, they say yeah that, that it 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 talks about the Trinity, but then we also have other scripture that talks about the Council of God. 
God's counsel. Mm-hmm. He surrounded it, surrounds himself in the heavenly heavenlies with the counsel. Right. And we call them, you know, perhaps angels, cherubim, seraphim, those kind of spiritual entities. Like divine beings. Divine right? beings. That surround yeah. God. Yeah. And so what it says is uh, Enoch walked with the supreme God and the supreme God abducted him. Now, we're not told exactly how this happened in the Canaan, but we're told in the first book of Enoch, which we did a podcast on, that just before he was abducted, Enoch was interacting with other spiritual entities known as the Watchers. Exactly. On on Mount Tabor, I guess. Uh, Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, yeah. Mount Hermon. So he was interacting with these other spiritual entities known as the Watchers because these Watchers... They used to be in the heavenly dimension where God lives, but after they had sex with human women, as what it says in the Bible, mm-hmm. they were banished to the earth. So at this point, Enoch is still on the earth when he's interacting with these beings. Yeah, and I think he's serving as an intercessor between these beings and God. Yeah, the interesting right. thing about that is the, these watchers go to Enoch. They, they don't go to God direct. No. They go to, to a human. Yeah, exactly. And they don't like humans. No. But they, they ask, hate humans, yeah. but they go to this human Enoch to intercede for them and say, Enoch, will you please go ask God to forgive us? Anyway, that's, a, that's another story. But what we see happening to Enoch uh, when he is abducted is right out of a science fiction movie. I mean, you think about, you think about uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You think about uh, Fire on the Mountain. You think about some of these other, the fourth kind. You think about some of these other movies that depict how people are abducted. And when you read this account in the first book of Enoch about how he was abducted, let's just, let, me just, let me just describe it to you, okay? So Enoch is standing there, and he sees what he describes as clouds. He says in 1 Enoch chapter 14, verse 8, that the clouds, the clouds, more than one, mm-hmm. were summoning him or calling to him. The clouds were summoning him. I think uh, it... It's the beginning of a pattern that will teach us lots of things. Because every time in the Bible, not every time, most times when we have an encounter with God, there's clouds that surround the place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe there's there's information that. here, though. Yeah, we've seen that. All throughout the Bible, you're right. You're, you're right. Um, did you know that the Hebrew word here used for clouds is anon? Anon. Anon. And anon literally means a cloud as Covering the, the sky. sky. Wow. That's, the interpretation that could be looked at like this. Something covering the sky as a cloud. So it's not necessarily a cloud like what we think of a cloud. The like idea a, that we have. Yeah, right. like a cumulus cloud or a thunderhead. It's not exactly. It could be this something in the sky that was covering like a cloud. Yeah. And I think, Pastor, just uh, um, a quick point that I would like to bring here. Uh, back when all those stories happened, they didn't have, for example, cars. They didn't have vehicles. So they needed to describe things with the things that they had, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. So I, I guess that's probably a good example of that. It could be. And I know I know, some of, some of the believers out there are going, okay, Pastor Paul, you've lost me on this one. So what you're saying is this was some UFO uh, some flying saucer-shaped thing that was in the in the sky that took him up. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying how Enoch described his experience in in First Enoch, and the words that he used was all known, and that doesn't necessarily mean 
a cloud specifically. It means something covering as a cloud covers. And I think that's interesting. We don't know what it was. We weren't there, right? It, we it, it yeah. could have been, you know, God himself. Who knows? So, um, but here's the other interesting thing. Enoch goes on to describe a mist that was crying out to him. Mist in Hebrew is ad, 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 which describes an enveloping fog or a vapor. So here is something covering the sky as a cloud with a vapor or a fog emanating from it that is beginning to surround Enoch. Now I'm telling you, isn't that right out of a science fiction movie? Well, it, it's very current. To okay. Be okay. All right. And, and he says this, within this covering and vapor, Enoch is being called. The Hebrew word for called is kara, kara. Which, which means to address by name. Ooh. So it's not like something coming from the mist saying, you know, come here. It's not that. It's like Enoch. Wow. Called yeah. by name. Enoch says that, that there were shooting stars and, and lightning flashes were hastening him and speeding him along. In other words, these shooting stars and, and these strobes were kind of forcing him to, I don't know, this that, is hastening him, speeding him along. That sounds like Hollywood, Pastor. It does. Seriously. It? it really does. <laughs> and it makes me wonder if that's where Steven Spielberg got I his I think they probably read the book of Enoch. Uh, from Close Encounters of the Third Time. So can you imagine? Let's, let's look at this. Let's describe this in UFO, uh, in UFOlogy terms, okay? Can you imagine Enoch seeing, okay, something that he says is covering the, the sky that is, is, is huge, it's huge, it's like covering like a cloud would cover the sky. Now he's seeing flying orbs that he's calling shooting stars and lightning flashes, which could be strobes coming from this thing in the sky, visible through the mist and the fog. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> here's where it gets really interesting, though. Enoch then says this, continuing in chapter 14, verse 8, and winds in my vision made me fly up and lifted me upward and brought me to heaven. Enoch says he could see and he could feel the effects of the wind when it suddenly lifted him up into the air and assumably into whatever was covering the sky like a cloud or a cloud. So I think that that proves it's not an illusion. It's, it's something that really happened, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And he goes on further, though. He goes on, to, he goes on to describe what he sees inside this thing in the sky, and he attributed it to heaven. It's very fascinating, and it's worth a read for, and I would say a mature believer, who is grounded in the word of God to read, you know, first Enoch, just to kind of get an idea of, of what we're talking about here. It's very fascinating. Yeah. And this is the first account of someone in history being abducted. Um, and I'm telling you, when you look at it, when you, when you look at the way he describes this, it's just like a movie. It's yeah. just like a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Yeah. And because you think about all those UFO movies where a craft is hovering over a house or a car and suddenly there's a bright light and, and fog and vapor and people are being lifted up by some kind of beam into a spaceship, right? It doesn't get any more sci-fi. I think I would run than that and, to, and hide because, I mean, I would be so afraid. I know, wouldn't you? I mean, you know. or would you just be mesmerized? I, I think I would be amazed and, and maybe afraid at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so that's Enoch. Let's move on to another character um, in the Bible who was abducted. In Exodus chapter 24, we are told about an encounter between Moses and God on Mount Horeb, also called Mount... A lot of people say Sinai, and Uh I used to say that too, but when you look at the actual word, it's Sinai. Sinai. On Mount Sinai. Now, here's the thing. Horeb, as in Mount Horeb, in Hebrew means heat. Hot. Some scholar, uh, Torah scholars contend that Horeb means glowing heat, mm-hmm. like it's glowing heat. Yeah, so it's like it's shining, right? Mm-hmm. So here's Moses in Exodus 24, verse 16 through 18, walking up Mount Horeb when the glory of the Lord settles on it. This is Mount Horeb that Torah scholars have called glowing heat. Okay? Yeah. It's not volcanic. It's not no, that it's... kind of a heat. It's not that kind of a glow. Then verse 16 describes a cloud. Here's that word cloud again, covering the mountain for six days before something happens. It's unbelievable. I know. How the cloud is always present when the glory of God is revealed. That's right. Right. And here's what the Hebrew word for cloud, ana, again, describing. Here it is describing covering of the sky like a cloud. But here it's describing the covering of the mountain instead of the sky. So what is this thing hovering above the mountain and then settling on it, right? What what mm-hmm. is this thing? Like you said before, they only knew what they knew, and so they only know how to describe what they knew at the time. Maybe it was a cloud, yeah, but maybe he was describing something that he could only describe as, as it looks as big as a cloud, and it's covering the mountain like a cloud or vapor. It could and be something really white that he. It could know, be. Wouldn't yeah. have another word to describe. So, It's sitting there. It it settles in on Mount Horeb, the glowing heat mountain, for six days. And then Exodus 24, 16 continues by saying, On the seventh day, he, God, and here's the word Elohim, called to Moses from the Anah, or the thing covering the mountain. Okay? Right. Verse 17 says, The appearance of this Anah, or cloud, where God's glory was, it was was visible. It was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Wow. We, we sing songs about the consuming, we sing, yeah. Yeah, consuming fire. What an amazing, what an amazing uh, just sight that this must have been. Well, Pastor, uh, and I guess the people could see that from, from the bottom of the mountain. Yes, they right? could. Yes, they could. I was, As a matter of fact, they were scared because they said, no, Moses, you go up and talk to, talk to we God. We don't want to go up. It's too much for us, right? You, 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 we don't want, we will be, we'll die. It's basically yeah. what they said, we'll die if we go up there. That's and God right. agreed with him. He said, oh, yeah, they're right. They'll die if they come up here. So maybe maybe this, uh, I have a theory here. So maybe the cloud is to hide because uh, the Bible says that man cannot see God. It's, mm-hmm. He is too much for mm-hmm. us. So maybe the cloud is an instrument that God uses to hide his presence, to Good. hide his face, right? you know, so that we yeah. don't look at him directly. So if you jump forward a little bit and you've got Moses in the cleft of the rock, right? And... And Moses says, basically to the effect of, uh, show, show me your glory. You know, I want to see your glory. And so God walks by and covers Moses so he doesn't get yeah. to see he him, his him. face, right? He sees a little bit of his back, but that's all he gets to see. And well, it's this covering. And perhaps you could be right. Maybe, could be. Maybe the that's the mechanism. Like protecting. Mm-hmm. In verse 18, Moses entered the Anah as he went up the mountain and remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And while inside the Anah, God provides Moses with instructions to give to the Israelites on building the tabernacle and the sacred items that go in it. 
Now, we know from the biblical account that this tabernacle is based on the pattern that God showed Moses while he was presumably inside the Anna. Yeah, inside the cloud. Okay. And, you know, this is not exactly a, a forcible abduction. And it wasn't forced. Uh, there, Cause, yeah, but I there's mean, still cause, similarities. Because all the time he was on the top of the mountain, right? Yeah, he I went don't... up the top of the mountain. And he entered into the Anna or the cloud. Yeah. So it's not an abduction. But what I think is, is important is that there are similarities in what, in what Enoch experienced as far as the cloud or the Anna is concerned and being able to enter into it. Yeah. Something interesting, Pastor, about uh, the appearance of clouds in the Bible is that uh, it always refers, actually, it's a symbol of God's nearness. Like clouds are symbol of God's nearness. Mm -hmm. You know, when Jesus went up to heaven, he was surrounded by clouds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was. He will come in the clouds. Yeah, right? just so, like he left. So, and you talk about the cloud, and we often call that the glory of the Lord or the Shekinah glory, because Shekinah in Hebrew means the dwelling or presence of God. And so, when you talk about seeing clouds or or a covering, uh, that is that is the manifestation of the physical presence of God. God's glory is the physical presence of the Lord. Yes, wherever He dwells. And this glory is associated with the Anna, the thing that covers the sky like a cloud. So you're absolutely right. Good catch. And so in Exodus, Moses and the Israelites encounter this Anna in the physical uh, and the physical presence that we call glory. Mm -hmm. Remember, they were led by the cloud yeah. by day, a pillar of fire by night. Um, and it was this glory, this presence that led them out of Egypt and eventually to Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. Okay. Interestingly enough, Mount Horeb is called the mountain of God. The mountain of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think there's a documentary that talks about that. There's still um, a different, you know, the top of the mountain it has a different color from yeah. the rest of all the mountains around. We talked about that. We did. We talked about uh -huh. that. And we talked about how it's charred on the top. The peak is charred. And they know it's charred because when they had some people go up and, and film a documentary, they would remove the rocks, and underneath the rock would be the normal soil. Yeah, so it's it, the only... everything was surface charred. Exactly. Something happened there. Pastor. Something happened there at the top of that mountain. So let's look at a character that we talked about in season one, Elijah and Elisha, the prophets in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, you remember they were out strolling near the Jordan River when suddenly a chariot of fire and, and horses of fire appeared, separating the two. Remember that? Yeah. We talked about that. So Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind into heaven. This account is described in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. And we talked about the word chariot in Hebrew, which is Reheb. 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 And Reheb means vehicle. Vehicle. Wow. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean chariot yeah. like we know chariots. It means and vehicle. And that's actually the only vehicle they had back there. Chariots. Chariots. Yeah, as far as we know. And so what Elisha saw was a vehicle of fire with horses of fire swirling like a whirlwind about them. And it says that Elijah, not Elisha, but Elijah was then taken up to. into heaven. And here's, here's where this account gets very interesting. The word used in this passage for house, or I'm sorry, for horses of fire is sus, sus, sus of fire. Now the word sus in Hebrew is a description of, of what it looks like when a horse skips or when it leaps. And it's also a description of when a swallow or a crane is in flight. In a fall. Mm -hmm. 
the Hebrew word for fire we already talked about in in season one was is ash ash which means fiery, burning, flaming, and hot. So let's put this phrase back together using the translation and interpretation. We see Elijah and Elisha standing by the Jordan River when suddenly a burning vehicle that skips across the sky like a horse leaping or a swallow in flight hovering over them. Makes it a little bit different, right? That might have been such an amazing scene. I know, wow. but when, when you break it down, and this is what's so interesting about the Bible, and I think this is what a lot of people, they just, they think the Bible, oh, that's, that's an old, that's boring. But when you start really digging into the actual words that are used and, and the meaning, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because, like I said, it just, in, in the original, when you read it for the first time or for the second, before you study it, it's just like, okay, so Elijah and Elijah are sitting here at the, Jordan River at the bank, all of a sudden, chariots of fire. So in our minds, we're thinking these two-wheeled, you know, chariots being pulled by horses of fire. They come down. There's a big whirlwind, tornado, and here is Elijah. He gets sucked up in the tornado, and he he goes away. But that's not exactly what the Hebrew language is saying. When you begin to analyze the word, the root of the word, it goes deeper. Yeah, it says that... The, the horse of fire was a Seuss. The horse is a Seuss, and it's not actually a horse. It's, it's describing what it looks like when a horse is skipping or leaping or when a swallow is taking flight. Isn't that weird? I mean, wow. it's, so, it's so awesome. That's amazing. And so here's the thing. Elisha, he knew beforehand that Elijah was going to be taken by God into heaven. Read 2 Kings chapter 2, and you'll see that. So when this occurs... Elijah moves away from Elijah. It says it separated the two, but there's no way really to describe, uh, you know, how are you going to describe in Hebrew that, well, uh, you know, Elisha is now moving away from Elijah. So the best way in Hebrew to describe that is to say it separated the two. But really, Elisha is moving away from Elijah, and he watches as Elijah is taken up into this whirlwind. Whirlwind in Hebrew is Shiara. 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 Shiara, yeah. And it means a tempest or a violent wind. You know what's interesting in this in this uh, case here? That um, I don't think he heard the voice, right? He knew that he was supposed to jump in the in the chariot and go up. Oh, Elijah? Elijah, yeah. Well, he had been told beforehand. He had been told yeah, that he... had been told beforehand he, that God was going to take him. Because oh. he told Elisha, he said... You can't follow me. Don't come with me because where I'm going, God is going to take me. I believe so. But, you know, Elisha's like, no, I'm going. Wherever you go, I'm going. So God revealed him beforehand that he was going to. Mm-hmm. And even the, the people, the uh, you know, there was a school of prophets, and Elijah was like a master teacher. And so you had the school of prophets, and they were all around the Jordan area too when all this happened. And they were, I mean, it's a lot of witnesses. So remember Enoch's abduction. I mean, we're talking about the violent wind, the tempest, right? Enoch describes seeing and feeling the effects of the wind as it made him fly up in the air, lifting him up into heaven. Same thing here. Only Elisha describes the ana, or the thing covering the sky like a cloud. He is describing it as a recheb, or a, a vehicle, which gets translated down through the ages as a chariot. Because at the time that it was translated into... The King James Version, 
they they saw that and they said, oh, it must have been a chariot. It must have been, yeah. It must have been a chariot. It's translation, right? It is. So now we have the description of the Ana as being something covering the sky like a cloud evolving into a vehicle of fire, causing a violent tempest, picking up Elijah and taking him up to heaven. Same type of encounter as Enoch, same type of descriptions, only the cloud from Enoch is described uh, as an Ana, uh, and in Elisha's version, or, or the author of Second Kings, is described as a Reheb, or a vehicle. Okay? Yeah. Because, I mean, we talked about it. In, in Elisha's time, his point of reference for something moving about in the air like a cloud is not a cloud, but like a vehicle. So now we're, we're getting away from this idea of it being a, a cloud or something covering like a cloud. Now he's saying, oh, this thing is moving mm-hmm. about the sky, so uh, therefore it must be a, a Reheb, or a vehicle. Makes sense? Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Right. I don't want to belabor the point. I'm just trying to get us there. And so this vehicle, this Reheb, is apparently associated with burning or flaming fire, much like the Ana that settled on top of Mount Sinai. Remember? Yeah. The cloud. All-consuming fire. All-consuming. And here's Elisha saying that this vehicle is burning, flaming. So, like you said earlier, are you seeing a pattern here? Again. It seems to be a pattern. Yeah. But something that's, that I think is interesting, and actually it proves that the Bible... Uh, the Bible is the truth mm-hmm. is because let's let's say that they they have been seeing the same thing you know let's say that Enoch saw the same thing that Elisha uh, saw that Moses saw each one of them describe it in a different way mm-hmm. and while many people might say oh so the Bible has like several ways to describe something I think that's actually a proof mm-hmm. that the, the Bible is not forcing like information to be, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, if the Bible was made up, if you were going to make something up, you want all of your stories to match exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and the fact that there are different stories about the same thing uh, shows us that there's no effort. There's no effort to make things make sense. You right. Know? So I think, yeah. I think that's... And these authors existed several, I mean, some existed hundreds and thousands of years apart from one another. Yeah. So, and it makes it really interesting when you think about it in those terms. You want to look at some New Testament abductions? Oh, yeah. That's Did you that. know that there were some in, in the New I, Testament? I, I know one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we get to it, let me know. Oh, yeah, that's the one I know. Okay. Okay. So, in Acts chapter 8, we read about a biblical character named Philip. Oh, that's the one. Is I that know. the one? <laughs> hey, right off the bat. How about that? So, Philip, he went to Gaza. Okay. While there, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the book of of Isaiah. Okay, mm-hmm. and Philip began talking to him about the book of Isaiah and, and what it meant. He was explaining it to him. Basically, what he was explaining to him was the prophecy of Jesus in the book of Isaiah. So, during this discussion, while riding in the Ethiopian's chariot, they came across a a body of water, and apparently, they had been discussing water baptisms. Yeah, and the Ethiopian commanded the chariot driver to stop, and so. Both Philip and the eunuch entered the water, and Philip baptized him. Right? Right Pretty away. normal. Yeah. Yeah, pretty normal occurrence. Let's pick up the story from here in Acts 8, verse 39, because this is what it says. When they came up, they being Philip and the eunuch, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus. Wow. Almost 65. 
yeah. miles. Well, it's about, I think it's about 35, something like that, 35 yeah. miles away. So here's the thing. The spirit, the word spirit, when we, when, when we see it, when we read this in the Greek, the word spirit used here in Greek is pneuma. Okay. Pneuma. And it means a current of air, a breath, or a blast of wind. Again, Pastor. There it see? is again, right? Again. Again. Wow. The blast of wind carried Philip away. The New King James translation says the blast of wind caught Philip away. The word used here for caught is the Greek word harpazo. Harpazo. We've heard that before, haven't we? Yes. Yeah. We've heard it before when we talk about the rapture of the church. Harpazo translated into Latin is rapturo, and that's where we get the word rapture. Rapture. And it means to forcibly snatch or take something or someone. In other words, to abduct. Wow. Philip was abducted by a blast of wind and taken suddenly out of the sight of the Ethiopian eunuch. It's a, isn't that amazing? It is amazing. It is amazing. And then, and then here's the thing. Philip appeared in Azotus, which is, you said, I think 65, it was 35 miles away from Gaza. Yeah, probably like 60 kilometers. Yeah, you, I, yeah I forgot. Yeah, I you guess. Kilometers. Yeah, so 35 miles away from Gaza. And we don't know much more than that. Um, we don't know exactly what Philip saw or he experienced, but we do know that Philip was taken. He was... Harpazo, he was snatched forcibly. He was abducted by a blast of wind. Quick question, Pastor. Does the Bible say uh, how long it take, how long it took for you know for the cloud to transport Philip? Was it something instantly? Doesn't say. It doesn't say. No. Well, what all we know is, um, I think the presumption here is it was pretty instant. Yeah, yeah. that's what I would think. Like instantly, you know, taken and transported. Mm -hmm. We don't know though. I mean. So, here's an, there's another New Testament character, by the way. He was a well-known Pharisee and an expert in the law. In, in other words, he was a lawyer, okay? Yeah. Highly respected. Highly respected. He was abducted and taken into heaven, too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul describes an encounter he had. And here's what it says. You ready for this one? Oh, yeah, let's go. Here it is. This is Paul. I know a man in Christ. Now, when he says that, he's referring to himself, but he's referring to himself out of humility because he doesn't want to come off as boasting that God took him to the third heaven, right? Yeah. So he says, I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. And here's that word harpazo again, or a rapturo, rapture. And, and we know that it means forcibly abducted. Okay? okay? Let's continue with Paul's account. He says, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise, and he heard inexpressible words, which a human being is not allowed to speak. Hmm. Wow. I mean, Here's the Apostle Paul, a highly educated lawyer who studied under a very prestigious rabbi named Gamaliel, describing his abduction that happened so suddenly that he didn't know if he was in his physical body or yeah. if he was in the spirit. So, um, I mean, with what he says that uh, we, we can't understand, he didn't know if it was in the body or outside of the body. Right. right? Blink of an eye. I, I believe that 
both possibilities are real mm-hmm. you know because be. you know uh, enoch was in the body yeah you know that's the first example of a, a body abduction uh but with him he doesn't know he doesn't know how to ex- you know to explain so probably there are different ways of abduction could be yeah well paul says he was abducted and taken to the third heaven now the third heaven in judaism is the dimension where god dwells it's where god's shekinah glory is and looking back at what we talked about earlier, the Shekinah glory is the physical evidence of where mm-hmm. God dwells. It's the physical evidence of his presence. And if you think about the encounters with Enoch and Moses, it was the Shekinah glory that was seen with the Ana, or the thing that covered the sky like a cloud. So you wonder if Paul was abducted into this Ana, or a vehicle as described by Elisha in 2 Kings 2. And once inside... Paul says he heard inexpressible words which a human being is not allowed to speak. The translation of inexpressible words is mostly interpreted to mean sacred or secret. Things. Secret things revealed to Paul. And some scholars some scholars suggest that Paul heard God's future plans about when Jesus will make his return to earth. Wow. And since no one was to know the day or the hour, he was not allowed to share. To share that. I'm not saying that's what he heard. I'm saying that some scholars are postulizing that, that that's something that's possible that he heard. It's a possibility. Because what else could you hear that you you're, you shouldn't be sharing with humans? I mean, yeah. the number one thing to me would be, I don't share with them when I'm coming back, because I've told them. Well, uh, w- when when I analyze this, this, you know, this passage that Paul says, that he heard things that uh, what what's the english way that it says uh inexpressible 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 things or like, sacred or secret things like when i take that to the to the portuguese uh version the best way that i can translate that is i cannot share this because people would not understand mm-hmm. they wouldn't understand because it's so great it's so amazing mm-hmm. that it wouldn't like the the human mind wouldn't understand. Yeah, that's that's the that's the majority of scholars view it that way as well. They view it as it was so inexpressible there are no words that would be able to exactly to describe or express the real thing is what he was experiencing or yeah. what he heard. I wouldn't my myself personally, Pastor, I don't know if he he knew like you know the date about you know Jesus mm-hmm. about his plan of coming back. Because remember, Jesus said that even him being the son, he wouldn't know. Right. And and Jesus is much more than Paul. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to remember, though, that when he said no one knows the day there, not even the son or the angels, but only God. Yeah. But that was while Jesus was human on earth. Yeah, it was before the crucifixion. Right. right. Exactly. So now that Jesus is in heaven on the throne with God, he, he knows, you would think, yeah. right? Exactly. Okay, so who he knows? He's God himself, right? I'm in the camp of... Paul was so completely uh, amazed at what he was seeing that he was his mind wasn't functioning, uh, and he was hearing things, but he couldn't express what he was hearing because because uh, <laughs> no human could, could would be able to express it. You don't right? have like enough vocabulary to express. Uh, it's literally the you're trying to describe the divine. It, it can only you can only go so far, right? I think that's. Yeah. Hmm. So, regardless of what he heard or saw, the fact is, Paul describes 
being abducted and taken to the dimension or the Ana where God dwells, to the Shekinah glory. Then there's the Apostle John. Remember him? Yeah, it's another example there. While banished on the island of Patmos, John receives the revelation of the end times. He pins his experience in a book called Revelation. It's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's the last book of the Bible. According to John, he encountered a spiritual entity who gave him instructions to write down everything that he was about to see. So we pick the story up in Revelation chapter 4. It says this, after this, after what? After the messenger of God gives John instructions for the seven churches. You know, he mm -hmm. told him to write seven letters to the seven the churches. Seven different churches. It says, after this, I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what, what must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. So I see something different here. Mm -hmm. So it says, immediately I was in spirit. Mm -hmm. So probably he didn't go with his body there. So you're thinking more than likely not physically. I don't think spiritual. Probably, yeah. Okay. So uh, let's examine that a little more. We know from Moses' account on Mount Sinai that when God descended on the mountain in the Ona, or the thing that covered the sky like a cloud, that when God spoke, it sounded like a trumpet. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yeah. If you read that, I mean, we didn't talk about it specifically, but you go back and read the account, you'll hear that, or you'll see that. This expression means that the volume was exceedingly loud and projected a great distance. That's yeah. what it means. When it sounds like a trumpet, it means it's, it's loud, loud, and you can hear it from a distance. When John says that the voice he heard sounded like a trumpet telling him to come up here, this means to me that the voice he heard was exceedingly loud, and could be heard from a great distance, great right? Distance. Same kind of a, a descriptor here. John goes on to describe that when he looked up and heard the voice, he was immediately in spirit. the spirit, or pneuma, which we already talked about as being a blast of wind. Yeah. So breath, right? You, you're, you, a while ago you said this may be an occasion where he gets, he gets taken up spiritually in the spirit, not physically, but it could also mean that what he's saying here is that he was immediately in the violent wind or the blast of wind and was taken up. Yeah. We know that even though we cannot see the wind, it's physical. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how can you be in spirit and still, you know? I don't know. I don't know. So here's John. Experiment physical sensations and, and everything. I, I, We'll get we'll get to we'll get to when we get to the very end we'll 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 kind of do a a you know a oh so what are we supposed to how are we supposed to deal with this information I mean what is this all supposed to mean for us there, There's there's just one situation but one example that I know it's physical but you can experience uh, for example when Jesus uh, when God gave him that, that new body mm -hmm. it was a, a glorified body. Mm -hmm. But the Bible says that he ate mm -hmm. things. Uh, but the Bible says also that he went through walls. Mm -hmm. So it's a physical body with a, like a spiritual high, uh, mm -hmm. how can I say that, like quality, I guess. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So when we go back to John, here he is. He's looking up into the sky. He sees something that he describes as an open door. 
He then hears a loud voice telling him to come up here. John is then immediately in the blast of wind or spirit, the pneuma, and taken up through this open door. Why else would he describe an open door if it didn't mean that that's where he was taken to, though? Because he says he sees an open door, then immediately he was in the spirit. But if you look at it from the other perspective of John's looking up, he sees an open door, and immediately he's in the wind, a blast of wind, uh, maybe the same kind of wind that Elijah was taken up, and he's taken up into this open door. And so if you look at it that way, then John is abducted and taken through an open door into something or, or into another dimension that he sees, he sees the inside of wherever he is. Whatever he's taking up into and in through, why would there be a door? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think we, we face the, the problem again. And not a problem, but I have the situation where the, the human trying to describe the divine. Exactly. So we have to use the tools that we have, mm-hmm. you know, even though that doesn't actually mean that. I agree. It could be an opening. It could be anything, you know. Yeah, could be. But he could, I mean, the best he could do is describe that as a door. Mm-hmm. So once he's once he's taken through this this doorway, this open door, um, he says he's taken up into heaven, and then he starts describing what he sees. And his description is familiar to the description Enoch provided when he was taken up by the by the whirlwind or by the winds while mm-hmm. seeing shooting stars and lightning. They both encounter God. So the whatever they were abducted into or the wherever is the dwelling place of God, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking semantics. Was he abducted into something or into somewhere? doesn't matter. Um, he was in the dwelling place of God, which we know also encompasses the glory or the evidence of God's presence, which is associated with the ana, uh, or the thing that covers the sky like a cloud. So one more character. How about that? You want to just one more? One last character. And I think there's one more. Yeah, I remember one more. You remember one more? Yeah. Okay, I do too. When you look at Luke 24, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 51, it says this. The resurrected Jesus had come back and spent 40 days with his disciples. On his last day on earth, Jesus led them out to a small village called Bethany. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is this the one you were thinking of? Yeah. Okay. Here's Luke's account. And he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Here, Luke just says he was carried up into heaven. The Greek word used here is not harpazo, which is what we would expect here. It's a different word. It's anakathizdo. Wow. Anakathizdo. Or anakath is zo. Sorry, I'm saying that the is backwards. It's it zo. Anakath it zo. This is a strange word to describe someone being carried up into heaven because it means to to set up or to sit up in reflex, like it's a ref, reflect, like a reflective action. It's a reflex. Well, that that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, this word, like the meaning, is like Jesus is reflect reflecting. No reflex, like when you when you like ah, the doctor, got it. you know, got the, it. The uh-huh. hammer thing on your knee, and it it's like a reflex, yeah. a jerk reaction. Uh, it's mysterious because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, unless what Luke is saying is that while Jesus was blessing them, he was suddenly, like a reflex, jerked up into heaven. Wow, 
point. It's amazing. It is. To the extent that perhaps he was he was he was taken or jerked up with enough force to cause him to bend over kind of at the waist. And now this would be in line with how Luke described Jesus' ascension into heaven as being anakatizo or set up like a reflex or something. So he's standing, he gets taken up, and now it looks like he's almost in a sitting position. Uh-huh. Almost like he's in a sitting position. And, and, and that's the word that Luke is using here in the Greek is like he's suddenly taken up to the extent that it causes him to maybe bend over a little bit while he's blessing him. It's unbelievable. unbelievable. It yeah. is. Um, and we really really need more information about this to get a better pic- picture of what happened, uh, but we just don't have it uh, yet. <laughs> Good thing Luke went on to write the book of Acts. Amen. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, Luke says, After he had said this, after he was blessing them, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Hmm. The word Luke used here for taken is the Greek word epahiro, epahiro, which means raised or lifted. Lifted. Mm-hmm. So he was raised or lifted. Jesus was lifted up into the air, just like Enoch, just like Elijah, just like Philip, just like Paul, and just like John. Then Luke says a cloud took him out of their sight. Now the Greek word used for cloud here is nephele, nephele. And it means cloudiness. Cloudiness. So apparently Jesus was lifted up into the actual clouds mm-hmm. and out of the disciples' sight. Okay? Okay. Make sense? Yeah. I'm tracking here with you. Okay. <laughs> so when you think about these encounters, they have some common themes, don't they? There's always a cloud there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's go through them real quick, real quick. Starting with Enoch describing the wind and shooting stars and lightning. Then you look at Elijah with the whirlwind and the vehicles with burning flames and objects that look like glowing birds in flight or horses skipping. Moses is encountering God's glory descending on Mount Sinai with fire, smoke, lightning, and loud voices and all-consuming fire. Paul being caught up with a blast of the wind into the third heaven and John experiencing the same potential blast of wind before being thrust through an open doorway up up in the sky. That's pretty amazing when you consider that this stuff is in the Bible. <laughs> I mean, I told you, we said earlier, most people think the Bible's boring, right? Yeah. But all this stuff is happening in the Bible, both <laughs> in the Old Testament and the New Testament. How can you not be interested in reading about you this? You know, the word like futuristic. Mm-hmm. It's very futuristic. It like is the very Bible. futuristic. <laughs> 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 and I mean, if you think about it, it's like it's so full of the sci fi stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, it blows Star Trek and Star Wars and Guardians of the Galaxy and and all that. It blows it away because this really happened. This wasn't somebody's imagination thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I used computer CGI and made all these spaceships and, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. What the Bible says, these are witness accounts. That's real fiction. It's real. Which means it's nonfiction. I mean, it's yeah. it's real. <laughs> so, what about alien abductions that that we uh, that have been reported? Right, these alien abductions that have been reported since the 1900s. Is what you're saying, Pastor Paul? Are you saying that they are encounters with God? Hmm, not really saying that. 
because most of the modern day alien abductions don't really sound like encounters with a no. loving, caring God, no. do they? I mean, I have seen a few examples. I've heard of like documentaries, and most uh, most times, these experiences are very traumatizing. They cause uh, like mental disorders and of all kinds. And I remember past there was all, there was actually one uh, example, one case that said that the person smelled sulfur. Really, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well. We're going to talk about that in our next episode. Okay. Um, Because there are some new theories that are emerging out of the medical, out of the mental health field and the medical field Mm -hmm. that may be the explanation for some of these encounters that people are attributing to alien abductions. Wow. Very, very fascinating. You don't want to miss it. Like I said, we'll talk about that next time. Well, Stefano, thank you again for being here and for your insight. Oh, yeah. I always love talking to you, brother. Thank you, Pastor. And please invite me for the next. I really love oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, uh, we did say that we would kind of give you at the very end, uh, what are we supposed to do with this information? Well, here's the thing. We can, we can read the Bible and we can begin to break down all of the words using the Hebrew language, using the Greek and using Latin and Aramaic and, and all the different languages. But what it really boils down to, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Stefano, what it really boils down to is we weren't there. We were not there. No one in modern history was there to experience this or to witness it. Yeah, We just weren't there. And so when we talk about these things, it's fascinating and it's interesting to speculate about, well, could these be you know, craft or is the cloud the Anna? Is it, is it an actual cloud? We don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. Well, Pastor, uh, if you wanted to have an experience, but, you know, uh, there, there is a possibility for the future. Because mm-hmm. remember, the Bible says that when Jesus comes back and he takes his church up, we will meet him again in the clouds. In the air, yeah. In, in the, the air. Clouds, yeah. And the, it says... And there's that word, harpazo, that he uses. Again. We'll be caught up. We'll be caught up. So if we, if you still have any question, make sure... That you go up because uh, if you are saved, if you are, if you gave your life to Jesus, you will you will experience this this thing again. Amen. You know. Yes. Amen. We will. So, what does it all mean? It means read the Bible. Um, it's fascinating, and uh, we're not saying that that uh, that the cloud on Mount Sinai was a UFO spaceship. We're not saying that, but we're not saying it's not. I mean, we just don't know. We just don't. No, the mysteries of God. Fascinating. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for hearing us, for listening to us and watching us on YouTube. If you like it, please uh, click the like button and share it. Um, We are on a mission on our YouTube channel to reach 500 more subscribers. And so if you could help us do that by like, share, like, share, like, share. Um, And even if you don't like us, like, share, like, share. <laughs> anyway, well, remember, stay alert, stay in the word, and be not deceived. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. See you next time.